What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on this Friday to preview our second matchup with the Bradley Braves. If you guys know, we recapped the Valparaiso victory on Wednesday. So here we are a couple days later to do the preview as well as recap the games that had happened along with some other things. I'm Nate Malone, by Noah Lurch. And Noah, I mean... It was a, you know, we scraped by the last game and we saw other things that happened around the league that night when we got off to watch them all. And we obviously know this game coming up on Sunday, Sunday is, you know, we we say it almost every time or I mention every time it's the biggest game of the year, whether it's on a tweet or whether it's on here. And it's like up to that point, like how important those games are. But obviously up to this point now with three games left, this is. One of the biggest games we can remember. We said that at Drake, and we're thinking it won't be the case at home against Bradley on Sunday, but it's definitely the biggest regular season game of the season. What's going on? Yeah, definitely. This is probably one of the biggest games at the arena since, I mean, some people say when Wichita came in, uh, you sold out the arena. I mean, there's a lot of of instances where you don't get a lot of big-time matchups, big-time important games at the arena since we've been struggling here in this last decade. So this is definitely a big one. Um, Last time I looked, I think, which was yesterday, I think there was still like 2,700 tickets left. So I know they were trying to push for a sellout. And uh, hopefully it's obviously probably changed since then, but probably still probably about, I'd say, 2,500 tickets left. Hopefully people want to come out. I know Sunday is – a lot of things. It's going to be nice weather, but hopefully they want to come and support this team because it's a big time matchup. Yeah, and we, we it seems like we talked before every game of uh, you know maybe if we lose and maybe if we're just struggling in general in some games, maybe some people will look at that and say, yeah, "I don't really care." Too, we know how you know some of the community can be, but knowing and then we'll dive into you know again all the stuff that's happening. It's like it just it's it's made in heaven, honestly, is everything going on that day to do it. And you're right. And even with that many tickets, we know people buy last second and they come in late and next thing you know, buy tip. It is pretty, pretty well filled. We'll get a good indication early because we will try to get there as early as we can. We'll dive into all that here in a second. I wanted to talk about just when Mike had his stats updates with a couple of things since that previous game, dive into those. Marcus moved into 10th all-time Saluki history and assists in 101 games. He's got 339. He's behind Marcus Timmons. He just passed Mike Glenn. Lance is on here, 16th with 278. Um, free throw percentage, we know Marcus is definitely our most trusted free throw shooter this season. He's about, 80, about 87% this season, 109 of 126, and that's 14th ranked, tied with Ronnie Suggs in about, and granted, that looks like about 64 less makes and like 74 more attempts he's tied with. But percentage wise, if you reach at least 50 attempts, I'm sure it's on here. So he's got a lot more than everybody in front of him, but he's ranked 14th tied for 14th in that regard. And then Lance now top five in career steals right behind Stetson here. I say right behind he's 13 behind Stetson. He just passed Sterling Mahan and Tony Young. And I guess Chris Lowry to get to fifth. It seems like he's going to be here for a while. I doubt he gets 13 steals the last three games into the tournament. He very well could. We know he can. And then obviously, if we know 
uh, all depending next season, he's clearly going to jump up there even more, creeping up with his head coach, Brian Mullins, and the great Darren Brooks. And then there's one that actually came out today, No, we talked about of uh, turnovers per game, fewest turnovers per game. And this season ranks actually up there with some. Last year's team, 11.42, which was – one of the least in a long time. It's got some seasons on here, one of the seventies. And just, I guess that last year's was the most recent 16, 17 seasons on here. Um, and obviously we're on here at 13, 10. That seems like a lot. And it's right behind all of these. And what sticks out is, you know, one of those teams, the Oh three Oh four season, when they averaged 12 turnovers were 25 and five, 17 and one in conference. But obviously this year, no, it seems like we have way more turnovers in 13, we know there's some games where we said, hey, if we're 10 or less, you know, usually we win. I want it, like I said, when we're at Bradley, it was 10 and we lost. And there's been other examples, but it seems like way more than that. And along with the many other uh, facets of this team that you would say there's no way they have 20 wins and they're 20 and 8 and 12 and 5 with the kind of up and down this team's been. But definitely was surprised by the, the turnovers, thought it was definitely a lot more than that. What else do you see on this on this thing of all the great teams? And like I said, surprised that this team is – uh, only at 13. Yeah, they're they're third in the conference and averaging the most turnovers a game behind UIC and Illinois State. Um, they're eighth in the conference in turnover margin. So I was surprised to see it was only at 13 and it was up there with some of those teams that for the, the lowest um, kind of took me by surprise. But you just got to – and a lot of their turnovers are careless and they could – we could be averaging, I mean, best in the league with turnovers is Drake. They only averaged 10.7. If we would, if Marcus and Lance would cut down on some of the stupid turnovers, we'd be right there with Drake um, in the least amount in the league. I mean, 367 total turnovers on the year and 28 games played. That's just too many. Drake's at uh, the least in the league is 295 for. Murray State, but they've played one less game than everybody. So um, we could be down there with Drake and Murray State if uh, we could cut down on some of these turnovers. And we'd have more than 20 wins already if that was the case. Exactly, because there's been tons of games. I mean, we know at Drake it was pushing up a lot. And some games we've been over 20 still, no doubt. It's one of the most important parts of a basketball game, as everybody knows. And, yeah, we could have even more wins than we do. No doubt about it, and definitely a lot of careless turnovers most of the way throughout this whole season. And we'll I'll get to an interesting stat that we heard actually on March to the Arch about our opponent on Sunday and then turnovers that they allow and what obviously the, the impact and the finality of their games and how that impacts. It's an interesting stat. Um, talking about Kennard real fast, I we mentioned late on the one on Wednesday about his status. And again, no, I mean, I guess I didn't really look too hard in, in between the days here. And we mentioned how it's so hard to find information. I, I don't know if I even read off the correct score from last weekend. I'm pretty sure I have it now. I, I might have said the right one. 70 to 48, they beat East St. Louis. I mean, no, we saw East St. Louis play at Highland. There's a player that's going to Kansas State that we like and was interesting to see that matchup. I actually went to YouTube. You said that if the game was on there, I didn't see it. Do you know about anything else from that game? And I know I thought they played a game this week that Vashon posted about. But it says here they they don't you know they play again tomorrow at three thirty. Anything else you know about Kennard that you were able to find? I would I would assume he would be been guarding uh, McCaleb Rich, the kid going to Kansas State. 
Um, McCaleb only had 11 points in that game. Vashon was able to outscore East St. Louis in that fourth quarter, 24 to six. So dominating fourth quarter effort by Vashon. Um, so that's a big win there. Then we do know the other night or on, on Monday, they won against Gateway Stem 90 to 28. So Kennard probably barely played in that one. Then the other night, they beat Gateway Legacy Christian 77 44. So Vashon's rolling. They're on a big time win streak. So they play tomorrow against Hickman at 3 30. So continuing to roll there on into their almost, I know, postseason tournament. Probably starts here next week around here and probably soon after that up there in St. Louis area. Yeah, and I don't want to jinx anything. It just it seems like they're not going to lose again. I mean, if they're beating Simeon and then they, you know, feel like, yeah, they haven't lost in a while. They're on a huge streak. It's hard to, it's hard to fathom them losing all the way up to maybe if they can get their 17th state title and Kennard gets his third. It's a big wait and see. So, yeah, him and his team have been doing great things. And, oh, before we get into what the games were on Wednesday – Wanted to touch on this because I saw it yesterday. I think I saw on my feed today, but it happened yesterday. Talking about AJ Green, we know the great Northern Iowa Panther. Who, you know, who knows if he would have used his extra eligibility? We talked about he was going to go maybe to Iowa State with his dad or go to different different college. He goes undrafted to the league, ends up with the Milwaukee Bucks, and it appears that there was a tweet by Adam Barstevich, if I'm pronouncing that right. Yesterday, he he tweeted that Bucks undrafted rookie A.J. Green has appeared in more games, 25, this season than 10 players selected in the first round of last year's draft. And obviously, it and, or he, and he also says, doesn't matter how you get there as long as you make it. And that's the name of the game for sure. I mean, Noah, he's the most – I mean, he's maybe the only – we know – Cash and everyone we talk about is in the G League. JF, oh, <clears throat> he didn't end his career in the Missouri Valley. But AJ is the only one rolling in the NBA at that level. And, oh, he averages five points, a rebound, and assists, 46% shooting, shooting his threes well at 43%. I mean, no, if he was on this young team, I mean, obviously they'd be so much, so much better. And even he'd be really good on Iowa State, who's good, and Duke, whose team's average this year, just those other teams – I mean, it's awesome seeing AJ succeed, and he's on that team. It's closer to home. I'm sure he's living his best dream right now. Yeah, absolutely. I was able to uh, catch his game against the Bulls last night where he played 23 minutes, 5 of 7 from 3, had 15 points, 2 rebounds, and assist. So just seeing seeing that, I mean, I listened to the the UNI podcast as well and just – Having that guy, that first guy for you and I, which is crazy to think about, he's the first to actually make it to the league. Just knowing that, and they talk about how important it is that now kids know, hey, I can go there and make it to the league like that. Um, So with their rich history, I'm surprised he's the first. um, But actually think sitting down and thinking about it, um, he's going to be there for a long time. With his scoring ability, um, he's going to be up if he just – if he stays with the Bucks, continues to grow, get some strength, and work on his defense, he'll be in that rotation um, a lot more. No doubt about it. And exactly. We know – what was he, a French 2,000-point scorer in almost three years? I mean, he was just incredible. Two-time player of the year. 
It's not yeah, that scoring, they'll find you. And the fact that he can do it, whether it's at the, whether it's at the Bucks level, if he gets sent down to their G League, he'll he'll continue to stay in that organization unless he gets pickpocketed from somebody else. But I mean, again, he's living the dream playing with Giannis and them on a contending team in the NBA is this he is ultimately living the dream. So Noah, dive into Wednesday's games and then we'll and we'll get into there's more obviously uh probabilities and clearly what the standings look like with only three games left. Yeah, starting off, uh, Evansville took the trip down to Nashville. It was not a good trip for them down to Nashville. 95-63, Ben Shepard led the way with 16 for them. Um, he continues to roll on. Uh, Kay Tyson, 14-7. and seven. Bronze at 12-11. and 11. Davidson at 14. Fireberg at 14. So, they put it on Evansville pretty good. Marvin Coleman led the way for the Aces with 15 points. Gage Bobe had 14 right behind there. Um, a game we were interested in, Bradley beats Missouri State 64-54. Um, interesting game to watch. To Ring Mass with 11, Malevi Leons with 11. Montgomery had 9. Darius Hanna, 10 off the bench. Jason, 9 off the bench. Bradley continues to roll. Donovan Clay led the way for Missouri State with 16. Then Indiana State took the trip up to Chicago, beats the Flames 79-60. McCauley leads the way with 26 points. Jalen Jackson, a true freshman for UIC, really good point guard, going to be in the future with 23 points. UIC obviously still without Anderson, Carter, and Clay, so um, – I don't know exactly. I know they said he was day-to-day on Monday. So they're all three day-to-day on Monday. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they don't play when we play them in a week or so. Murray State goes on the road and gets an up and – it was an up-and-down game for them. 76-75 gets a win over Illinois State. Rob Perry, 25 points. Thought he may go for 40 in this one. He was really good. Uh, Seneca Knight with 22 points for the Redbirds. They were – Little shorthanded, still without Sandage, and McChesney did not play in that one. Um, then Drake, 82 74, keeps rolling over you and I. You and I, they sweep that season series. Tucker had 19. Bowen led the way for the Panthers with 16. So we talked about potentially getting some help. That did not happen. We weren't really expecting it, but it was out there, but it did not happen. I was hoping that the Bradley-Missouri State game was going to fall that way, even though Bradley had an early big lead and Missouri State kind of clawed back. And uh, so that one only – and I I mentioned to you, I think I even talked about it on Wednesday, or obviously not, but we talked uh, about what the spreads were for these games, and they were pushes, almost all of them. Like they were really close, like the nine-and-a-half Bradley at home when they won by ten. That was one of That was the biggest one out of all of them. But, yeah, I couldn't get any help. You and I had their moments against Drake, but every time you and I would score, Drake would score right back. It was kind of one of those, and it it got dicey there near the end. Again, kind of one of, the, and then Drake just pulls away. Even after it gets dicey, you call an easy timeout, and you're able to just take off after that. And you're right, we're not sure what the whole UIC situation is. Mention how it seems like more than just a day to day and a typical whatever. And I mean, three important players. And UIC be competing a little bit more. Noah, it almost seems like they're wanting to rest. I think he would want to rest all of his guys. So they say in day to day, it's like he's resting them, knowing that, you know, I think they play Evansville again, but it's like we know where we're going to be. 
And, you know, it doesn't really matter. So we just want to rest our guys for that for a stretch run in St. Louis. Not sure. Maybe some disciplinary stuff there. And the Murray-Illinois State game was fun. Uh, Murray got a last-second shot. I forgot who it was by, but then Illinois State went down. Could barely get a shot off and lost. So Murray sweeps them. So, yeah, other than that, no help. We'll get into the weekend games here in a second. Standings watch again. Obviously hoping for some change along the top. There was none. So Drake and Bradley remain 13 and four us Belmont, Indiana state. It seems like a three team race for the final two spots. So it'll be really dicey here down the stretch. We'll get into obviously Belmont, Indiana state play each other early next week in a great game. So three-way tie there, 10 and seven Missouri state after that loss, Murray, Back above you and I now with that Illinois State win nine and eight. You and I is on a six game losing streak now, eight and nine for them. Valpo five and 12. Illinois State also five and 12. UIC two and 15. Evansville one and 16. Uh, so, like I said, it's kind of a five team race. Missouri State, Murray, and you and I will be fighting for those middle spots. So, some important positioning still as time goes on. No, what's Matt Hackman have as the updated probs? Yeah, still not a lot of change after what we talked about on Tuesday. Um, still looking at third place where he has us. Uh, our highest percentage is actually for fourth, but a lot of the simulations has us at third place. It's 27% for third, 32 for four, 21% for second. So it's um, a decent percentage for second. That would obviously having us win this weekend. Um, for us to finish at second place. Then uh, just talking about some Ken Palm and net ratings, obviously the net rankings, uh, Drake Drake and Bradley with the highest in the league. Um, they continue to climb. Bradley up to 62. Um, they're potentially maybe in a getting in that at-large bid conversation. We saw the Joe Lenardi uh, having them as considered on the bubble. Drake at 71, then scrolling down all the way to find Indiana State at 92. So we got three teams in the top 100. Um, Belmont at 118, then we are all the way down at 125. Then Kimpom, it's not not looking good for us. We are continuing to fall on Kimpom just because of the efficiency and everything else but if you scroll all the way down you find us at 134 i think we finished at 126 last year so we're a little bit below that margin so we'll see what happens within the last three games to see where we end up on those yeah and again you know when you face valpo and uic and only beat them by a combined five or by a combined yeah five or six points that doesn't help because obviously, I mean, Indiana State's climbing for sure. We know about their efficiency, but they're also blowing teams out recently and they're in their win streak. So they're being up pretty high. And if obviously if those analytics stayed, we'd be the outside looking in of the top four in terms of all of those stats. But we know the tiebreaker with Indiana State and the win we have against Belmont help. And again, when they play each other here next week. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate we keep falling and further than we were last season. And uh, it's because we're not, you know, doing more even in our wins recently. And we know this six, seven game stretch hasn't been the prettiest. So it's all warranted. It's just kind of definitely unfortunate because you want to have the best resume possible in all those regards. So getting into now the weekend games uh, for tomorrow, there's three games, Sunday, there's three games, two really important ones, obviously on Sunday, 
Uh, and three decent ones on Saturday. Definitely one that could outcome, like I said, the middle of the pack there in the standings. But Illinois State's at Indiana State and Terre Haute. One o'clock tomorrow. No spreads yet. Uh, no, we'll go back and forth here. Who do you do you think the Sycamores can? We know Illinois State can fight, and that's the name of their game. They'll go anywhere and fight. Apparently, they don't have a whole lot of luck playing at Holman Center. Do you think Indiana State continues? I'd say probably a five to ten point spread. They would be at home. That doesn't really matter. But who wins? You have the trees, and then jump into the next game. Yeah, definitely think the trees probably big. I think playing at home. Um, I think it's their blackout game, and I think um, all the fans get goggles for it's Robbie Avila Day, so they're handing out goggles to all the fans. I like them big to stay hot as well, to stay in that race up top. Um, then at 3 o'clock, Evansville goes down to Murray State. I think Murray State can hopefully figure it out. They figured it out the other day to get a win on the road. I think they take care of Evansville in that one as well. I think that'll probably be um, – Probably a 10-point spread, maybe closer, but if it's a 10-point spread, I would take Evansville to cover. Yeah, and Murray's riding off that one-point win. Maybe they can just put the pounding on him, but we know Evansville will fight as well. I expect Murray to win that game. Also, and then also at 3 o'clock, you and I at Missouri State, like I said, two teams fighting for those three middle spots. Um, We know Missouri State. You know, they've been dealing with stuff. They're kind of getting their team back together for this run. We know the tough loss they just had. You and I struggling clearly. This is a tough game to predict. And, no, it seems like you and I could get off the schneid at home. But, no, I think I'm going to take – and, of course, if we if this, you know, holds, they'd be on a seven-game losing streak heading in our place early next week. But I think I'll take the Bears at home in a really close game. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't count out a, a Ben Jacobson coach team, but that team – um, after coming off some losses, I mean, against Indiana State, they just weren't ready to play, but they fought the other night. So I think they can continue to fight, but I think the Bears get them at home. Then on Sunday, um, Valpo at UIC, um, it's up in the air with the three guys. Like we said, we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know if it's an injuries. They just – we just know Yachlet said it's day-to-day, so I'll take Valpo to uh, bounce back off a loss from us. So that'll be Valpo probably solidifying their spot in the 8-9 game for Arch Madness. Yeah, and a very tough 8-9, so whoever gets the ones going to have to deal with a Valpo and probably one of those other teams, which it will be the easiest. Yeah, I think they'll win too. Like, Yeah, we don't know the status of the UIC players. If they were playing, I think they can maybe get a home win, but Valpo will be too tough for them, and then the other great game going on two hours after hours on CBS Sports Network, so another national TV game, is a big one. Belmont at Drake. We know Drake has been riding their own winning streak here. Belmont has all the makings of a team, clearly, and they're in the top five for a reason that could very well win a Arch Madness uh, tournament, could very well if things happen to go their way and things happen otherwise, they could obviously win the regular season. All these top five teams could like I said, things break their way. I mean, this is really tough. I think Drake holds serve still at home, but Noah, I mean, we're talking about these are probably the two best offensive teams in the league. Indiana State, I guess, is right there with them. But whatever the over would be, take it. And it's tough. It, I, I'd say it's going to be a really close game. We know Drake beat Belmont and Nashville without Tucker, which is crazy. But I think Drake gets the home win, continues their streak, even though we would love a Belmont win. But it's all depending on what we do. Because if Noah, let's say Belmont wins – 
we beat Bradley, Indiana State take care of business, takes care of business. It could be a five-way tie for first. Yeah, I would love to see that happen, but I don't see it happening. I mean, unless it's a little revenge factor um, for Belmont, but I just don't see anybody going in that place and winning anytime soon. So I like the Drake Bulldogs minus whatever the points will be. I like them big too because um, playing in that, seeing what happened last Saturday, I think Drake just continues to roll. No doubt. And that'll be a all a wait and see. So now, Noah, let's get into this. Like I said, probably the biggest home game in a, definitely a long time. And uh, we know we had just played the Bradley Braves. And knowing how important this game is from a – obviously from where we stand. If we tie with them, then we're tied with them for, you know, obviously the tiebreaker and then tie with them in the standings, how massive this game is. Let me roll into – then you can start because we don't have any other of the typical insight on the app. They don't provide, they provide it always a day before don't have it of all like the matchups and stuff, but we know about these Braves pretty, pretty well. Uh, so it is the Mardi Gras going on, on, on Sunday. So I think they said they're going to have tons and tons of beads, about 5,000 beads to go along with this. Obviously the 2002 sweet 16 team will be on the pavilion to meet fans and an autograph posters that they came out with and we knew about that poster about a couple weeks before it's a sick one obviously bruce weber kent williams jermaine dearman will be among the ones showing up Two thousand posters will be given out which will be cool we'll try to get those uh so there's that there's everything and obviously for us it's blackout cancer the dog pad will be having some cool shirts for students and um i'm sure a whole lot of us so no that's three big old separate things going on on sunday afternoon before we get into the Braves, actually, let's talk about that 2002 team. Going off that poster that we see, dive into the fans again before they get the real indication of it. And we kind of talked about them. Arguably, outside of 67 winning in NIT, and at that time, we know the NIT was a bigger deal. So it's a really big deal that win. And we talked about 07 constantly. 2002 gets slept on a lot for all the Hall of Famers on that team. I mean, look, I mean the coaching staff was huge. I mean, other than that, I mean, like I said, kind of a slept on. Uh, team Noah all time talk about obviously refreshing memories of who else all was on that team I said th- two of the players talk about the rest and then your thoughts on obviously how important that team was to this program's history yeah obviously that is a really good team um obviously we're almost too young to remember it but I mean you said Kent Williams Jermaine Dearman um but there's also there's a freshman Darren Brooks on that team Stetson Harrison was also a freshman, really good point guard. Marcus Belcher, Brad Korn, um, some really good players on that team that um, just doesn't get really talked about. Everybody wants to mention the 2007 team, but um, this that team right there is just up there with 2007 with other than the, like you said, the NIT championship team. Um, definitely a very slept-on team that doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, even I mentioned the staff, Matt Painter, Young was on that staff, obviously Rodney Watson, Chris Lowry, the three coaches on Bruce's staff. And, yeah, I mean, that's tons – I mean, tons of Hall of Famers, Stetson, Jermaine. Marcus Belcher, we know, was on Illinois State staff previously before they had a new staff go in there. So 28 wins, most in school history, 13-0 and at home. 
14 or tied school record for 14 conference wins, 22 final season ranking in the whole country. And they had a and they covered a 19 point deficit. They overcame to beat number 21, Georgia. We know Georgia and Texas Tech, they beat in that tournament. It's just a special, special team that people would be able to see all of the great players and the autographs and everything leading up to everything. Like I said, we'll try to get a poster. So tons of go tons going on, not to mention it's on ESPN. Too. So, no, let's dive into the Bradley Braves for the second time here. One o'clock on that national TV. They're predicting 63% chance to beat us. If we haven't seen them or it's or we, you know, wasn't so long ago, we've seen them dive into what they've done since then. And we can get into, obviously, again, reiterating where they rank and a lot of stats in the Valley, clearly top. We know about it all. Just the fact that they are absolutely rolling. Absolutely rolling. Um, seven in a row, the t- the nation's 10th longest win streak. Um, at their third win in a row was us, and they went on the road at UNI, beat UNI, won at Illinois State. They destroyed Murray State. Then you just, we talked about Missouri State win the other night. This team is absolutely rolling. Like we said, it's going to be a tough ask. We know what happens. We know who they're led by. Rink Mass averaging 14 a game, about eight rebounds. Malevi Leon's 12 a game and six rebounds with some – he's probably the defensive player of the year. Duke Dean's their third leading scorer, about 10 and a half a game. So those three guys are the right. Then they guys, Jay Sean Henry off the bench. Connor Hickman um, got banged up. I think he'll play this weekend. Zeke Montgomery also starts, but – Vile had a big game. Darius Hand off the bench. Um, not a lot of other guys. I mean, Christian Davis and Pop Weathers play a little bit, but um, those top eight guys they have um, just really solid. Probably the best top eight in the conference by far. You mentioned Malavai. Apparently, he's the first player in in the Valley in a long time, or definitely in Bradley history, to have forty blocks, forty steals in a season. That's why he's going to win DPOY. Um, and even the fact that, uh, or let's see here, they are they are fourth in team offense, first in team defense. They are first in rebounding margin. They are fourth in f- team field goal percentage. They are third in team three point percentage. And they are, I mean, the thing is they don't we know they don't shoot free throws all that well. And that first matchup we had, it was neck and neck throughout the whole game. Something and then they hit that little streak there at the end of the game, a huge run that made it, you know, it was twelve, and then we hit a last second layup to get to make it ten. But we know we can play with them because we mentioned how we can ugly it up. It can be a defensive game, low scoring game, and Noah, it hinges on the shoulders. We mentioned how it's it's always on him and Definitely in these kinds of games, because people are talking, you know, you got to play good against good opponents. And, you know, obviously this this can dive into your potential dog of the game and predictions of uh, what Marcus has to do, because we know as soon as Jay Sean Henry stepped in the game, he was a wreck and Malibai defense defensive player of the year on him. He's got to do more clearly. But the fact that he's at home with that crowd behind him and everything going on, no, it seems like this is a prime game for Marcus to show why he's solidified on the first team. Still has hope for player of the year because obviously if he puts up numbers in this game, let's say 15 to 20, I mean, it, even we know he didn't do anything against them last game. We had chances to win. If he gets 10 to 20 points, that gives us a great chance. We know he's got to step it up arguably the, for the 
biggest performance in an SIU uniform Marcus has to probably put up on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. He needs to step up and play like the potential player of the year he is. Um, he needs to stop shriveling up during crunch time. And when these games get tough, I mean, this whole team, when it's a big game, this team does not show up. And there, it's got to change starting um, this this Sunday. I mean, so my dog of the game is going to be Marcus Damask. He needs to stop playing soft. He needs to attack. If he only shoots five times against Bradley once again, I mean, this is why I can't buy in to completely – if they'll show up in St. Louis. If you look at the big games, we we already went to St. Louis, had a big game this year. They didn't show up. Um, they showed up, luckily, for a big crowd against Belmont, but you saw what happened last Saturday. This is where it's got to – the tide's got to change. We got to – you can sneak away and play bad and still win against teams like Valpo like you did Tuesday night, but this has got to change. It's got to be limit the turnovers. Um it's got to be – you got to be under 10 with ease, um, take care of the ball and execute. But it's got to be – my dog's game has got to be Marcus. He's got to lead the way. He needs to stop playing soft. And if it doesn't happen, there's no chance you win this game. Yeah, I know. And that counts on everybody else. We talk about, well, we thought we had the guard advantage. Duke Dean, foul trouble, came in, scored. Connor Hickman, who – they get injured in their previous game. He did come back in the game. That's just something people have mentioned since the game ended to monitor. Clearly expect him to play and be at full strength. And we know Tabanainen broke up, broke out recently. And and you're right. It seems like all the other teams, you know, at the very top have these kinds of games that propel them and don't don't shrivel up as a team. And their best players definitely don't be that way either. It's definitely got to be one of those statement games. And you mentioned the Belmont game exactly. And even against the Belmont, which I think is equally as impressive, we mentioned how the difference between Drake and Bradley is Bradley's defense will make it hard, keep it ugly. You can play with them in that way. Drake, if there's nothing you can do with offense. That's what we thought going in that Belmont game, and they're great offensively too, that they shriveled up in the second half under the crowd and our defense. So that's just all we can hope for in this game. It seems like the under will for sure hit in this game. Um which that stat that I did have was in this seven-game winning streak, this is via March to the Arch, they had this stat. They forced 10 or more turnovers in their seven-game winning streak, but then their last loss, they had less than 10. So obviously that does mean that we must take care of the ball. And we mentioned, I think we only had 10 at third place on the dot, and we still lost. So it's like just within 10, clearly you have a chance to beat anybody. Definitely against the Braves, Noah. You're fine. What do you think the – the spread could be, I could obviously see us being underdogs at home. It's not too crazy to say, Clay. What do you think on that? Your your ultimate predictions going into this big game and your final thoughts overall? Yeah, definitely think it'll be probably will be a four and a half, four, three and a half point underdog on the at home in this one. Um I would take the plus there. I think we can ugly it up and keep it close enough to have a chance at the end. Um Ultimate predictions, I, I, I got to go with Bradley in this one. They're the better team, and I just – until this team shows up and proves that they can show up during big games, um, my opinion isn't going to change of them. So I'm going to take Bradley in this one. I think there's the possibility of being able to ugly it up and ride the crowd and be able to win this game, but I'm going to go with Bradley in this one. But I think it's 
like I said, if it's four and a half, I would take the plus. So it's going to be a one possession game towards the end. Just can we close it out against a tough team? If we need a basket, will Marcus Damash just go hide away in the corner and then be on somebody else? Or will he did what he did against Drake at home and take over and score when it's needed? Yeah, I think there's going to be tons of bad moments in this game potentially because Bradley will silence a crowd. They will – like top of nine is huge in this game. If he's getting going offensively, he gets an opening that he had been missing that he even missed against us, he's not going to miss. And I think he can be the difference. And they're shooting in general. And it's just – it's going to be a great game. I, I hope we win. And I really – I think we can't – you mentioned plus four and a half, and that's why if it's around that, that I think we cover that as well. And, I mean, I feel like – I don't think this win clearly does this or this loss would clearly do us in. It would solidify we're not going to get the one seed and win the regular season. But obviously, uh, if, barring whatever else happens, that you know, obviously it can it can do us a lot of good, no doubt about it. And splitting with them can go a long way. And I think we can ride the crowd. And I'll honestly pick us to win as well. But Marcus is my dog of the game as well. You play you play the way you did against him, almost beat him. He wasn't show up. He does a little bit more, we win, and that's what we can expect. And that's why. Um, you know, I, I expect everything to be in our favor on that Sunday Sunday performance with everything else going on. It's going to be so much fun. The, the best game of the season, second to last home game of the year. Hopefully people can come out. One o'clock. If you can't make it, it's on ESPN2. Hopefully the national audience can get a great game as well. Because even Bradley's got at-large chances, people are thinking. A small, small percentage, them and Drake being two-bid Valley with the way they're playing. Not whatever, but Bradley's playing like they have those hopes on the line. So it'll be interesting. Looking forward to discussing it or next week, this crazy, crazy game on Sunday. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Hoping we can get the dub. Until we talk to you guys next time, go dogs.